You're listening to NGSE Sports Radio. Hear us live on NGSEsports.com where you can get awesome analysis for all things sport. Or check out our podcasts on iHeartRadio, Spreaker, iTunes, TuneIn, and much more. For our latest videos, head to NGSC Sports' YouTube channel. Follow us on Twitter at NGSC Sports and like us on Facebook. NGSC Sports. We never stop. Awesome. Well, at least we fixed our issues faster than England did. So bad. He said, uh, he said, the big problem, he said, this was a lose-lose situation. He said, uh, he said, we see England lost and we see what happens with everybody else like an idiot. He said, if, if England won, it probably would have been worse. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, that was fucking Stuart Robson said it. Who played for England? Yeah. Yeah. We'll be chatting about that and more here on episode 374 of the Foreign Affair Podcast. Welcome, everyone. My name is Edward Green, and I'm joined, as always, by McCall and Crime West Bradshaw. And we have a big episode for you this week, but it is a Sag, big Sag episode. Um, after uh, after it did not, in fact, come home. Um, we will be discussing... It did. Um, we will be discussing that, of course, in length. I will also talk a little bit about Copa America, um, which had a somewhat happier ending. Um, we will again briefly, ever so briefly, touch on the CONCACAF Gold Cup because, hey, if you want to talk about people acting like idiots, well, it, it usually doesn't get better than CONCACAF. Um, we'll have a little bit of news and notes. Uh, we'll pimp the athletic, and then we'll hit a quick watch for before we wrap for the day. As long as podcast is presented by NGSC Sports at NGSCSports.com, we never stop. All right. First off, there's, there's literally nowhere else to start off. Um, Euro 2020 and 2021 finals. Italy v. England. We knew it would come to penalty as Wes Bradshaw claimed it on this very podcast. But unfortunately, he did not get the winner correct. Um, England falls 3-2 in penalties, 1-1 in added extra time. Uh, the start could not have, quite frankly, been better. Uh, Luke Shaw getting things going in the second minute with a goal that I watched about 15 times, and I still feel like every time I watch it, he's surprised it actually went in. But we'll, we'll get to that, of course, later. Um, it would be answered an hour plus later by Italy through Leonardo Bonucci, who's been such a talisman for this team. His goal got things level. Um, Italy had a few more big chances. Um, England didn't really do that much thrust to the match. And then it went to penalties. Um, England actually went 2-1 up after Bellotti had his saved. 
and then or sorry, yeah, had his miss. And then unfortunately from there, England would never convert another penalty. Um, even after Jorginho, who definitely was gonna make it, I was told absolutely no chance he, he wouldn't, uh, did not convert his penalty. Uh, England was not able to draw level. So it ends 3-2. Italy are Euro champions. The heartbreak for England continues, Wes. But for about 30 very glorious minutes in that first half, it really did feel like it was coming home. Well, I mean, this thing got really predictable. was the sad part. Yeah. Um, much like, as, as uh, Sir Ian pointed out in the match, much like uh, when they played Croatia in the World Cup semifinal, yeah. England scored early. As, as Michael Davis taught us years ago, did. Too early. Too Much too soon. About as predictable as it gets. Gareth Southgate, who I think mean, really managed a really good tournament, but he made some he made some big mistakes in the final. And one of them, England completely took their foot off the gas and went as ultra defensive as you can go for the rest of that match. I mean, one goal in minute two, and then you think the thing you need to do is defend for the next 88 minutes? <laughs> Baffling. I mean, just, it was, it, it was, it was ridiculous. I'm sorry to say it was just absolutely ridiculous. Um, I mean, th- those first two minutes, you know, especially for the people who said, oh, you know, Harry King didn't do anything. What, what did he do for the match? Well, you know what? When Eagle were going forward, Harry Kane made a beautiful pass cross field that set that whole motion mm-hmm. into effect. Absolutely. And then England stopped playing football. Yeah. And predictably, you know, you're not going to keep the Italians out by playing that. And uh, Benucci scores that header. And even more predictably, it goes to penalty kicks and the English lose. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, but that was to me that was the egregious opening act of uh, of uh, Gareth Southgate. Yeah, I I also I really got a harp on his substitutions to an extent. They they worked they worked a little bit. Um, Throughout the tournament, I still feel he did not put his uh, his strongest team out there today, or not today, but on Sunday. Um, Mason Mount probably played about ninety minutes more than he should have, unfortunately for the young man. Um, Jack Grealish was brought on; he was supposed to be the super sub, but he probably came on about twenty minutes too late. Him, him coming in in about the seventy fifth minute to run. At um at that Italian back line would have been something to watch, um and it just never happened. And then of course the big substitutions, which which gets into the more post match ugliness as well, of bringing in Rashford and Sancho, uh, Sancho especially who arguably could have started this match, um. But bringing them in exclusively in the 120th minute to be on there to take penalties, both unfortunately missing their penalties, 
along with uh, Bakuya Saka from uh, from Arsenal, um, and and those three players, um, of course, then met with a lot of abuse online. Um, were really hit hard by that on social media, um, and that is that has been very terrible to see. But from a from a on the pitch standpoint, which I think we'll stick to for the moment, um, it was it was very disappointing to see Southgate not just tactics wise, but in his choice of substitutions uh, of of when and who to bring in was. I think sorely lacking for this match. I, I this match was England's to win in regular time, and and they just didn't take that chance, and that's that's really disappointing to me. But I mean, looking at the looking at those substitutions, you know, if you if you want to win that match, yeah, I mean, why not give Sancho and Rashford? Now, of course, you'd have to figure it out positionally. Yeah. Why not bring them in at the beginning of the second extra time? Sure. Give them 15 minutes. They're they're fresh. They're ready to fly. They're ready to do something. Give them 15 minutes. See if they can create some havoc. And maybe you get that winner during the extra time. You never even end up going to. Uh, never end up going to penalties. Uh, it's just after it brings them in the first meaningful touch of the ball for either of those guys is taking their penalty in front of the world. It, it was it was an absolute disaster. Yeah, I I completely agree with you on that. I think that would have been. I can't imagine how hard that must be to have your first, excuse me, meaningful minute and and thing you do in a match be a penalty after extra time. Like I I completely agree. Have them in some, bring them in before then. Um, even if you don't, if you cancel them for Walker, you know, take out Sterling, who didn't end up taking a penalty anyway. You know, maybe take out one of Rice or Phillips. Um, you know, may, or sorry, Rice had already come out. Um, you know, figure it out to get these guys some form of of game speed play before taking basically the biggest kick of their lives. Um, that was, that was, I was very disappointed in that. Um, and, and I really feel like <laughs> the sucky part is, I think this match erases a lot of the good England did over the course of the tournament. Now, yeah, there, there's people who are saying, yes, of course, they had a, a, a somewhat easy schedule with the plane at home, and they were on an easier side of the bracket for sure. But I thought England were playing some very good football, up until the final. And unfortunately, because the final is the biggest match, reverting back to old-style England football in the biggest match is going to be remembered much more. If they can take that form that they had in the rest of the tournament to the World Cup, I think this England team can be very scary. Very, very scary. But but that that was a very bitter end to what I think was actually a very good tournament for England overall. Yeah, I can I can get with that. Um, you know, a lot of people, even even with the wins, they were still somewhat second guessing some of the things that Southgate was doing. Mm-hmm. But to me, you know, you get to the finals, you do kind of break that hoodoo's, beat the Germans. There's a lot of positive to take from this. Um, 
unfortunately, the aftermath of this whole thing is being marred by the negative. And, oh, yeah. uh, you know, that brings us to the last, I'll say, managerial snafu by their South, which was those three guys taking those last three penalties. Yeah. Um, you know, Southgate has come out. It has been confirmed that uh, he picked the order. He told them where to go. He told them what to do. And, you know, at the end of the day, oh, what the hell are you thinking? You know, yeah. Rashford, I can totally understand taking that penalty. I just thought he screwed up the substitution. But Sancho and Saka, I mean, especially Saka with the fifth pick, none of the entire tournament's on the line. Yeah. I mean, you've seen a 19-year-old up there who I don't believe has ever taken a penalty in a match before. Yeah. At least not a senior match. Mm-hmm. I mean, you put it out there and... This has been obviously argued back and forth so much this week, but I agree the fact that I think someone like a Raheem Sterling, you know, if you're if you're supposed to be one of the leaders of this team, you know, Raheem Sterling needs to step up and say, "Look, kid, I know what he said, but I'm taking this because this is my responsibility to take this." Yeah. Um, I just, uh, I, I really. I really, really think that uh, it was a, a very poor decision from from England. Um, and at the end of the day, God, of all freaking people for me to praise, Jordan Pickford came up and did yeah. exactly what you want the goalkeeper to do. Yep. Jordan Pickford could have done anything else for mm-hmm. me. Um, and instead, this is what we're sitting here talking about is, you know, a 19-year-old taking the fifth penalty. I, the wait continues. <laughs> yeah. That's all I had to say, man. The wait continues. I was, uh, so I was actually listening to the match on an alternate audio feed, and I don't know who, it was two Englishmen, I, I don't know who they were. Um, but they were going on and on about it, and, um, the funny part was right before the first England goal in, uh, in the second minute, they were like, oh, this is terrible. England have already conceded the corner. They're coming at it so terribly. Oh, this is awful. It's, this is such a terrible start. It's amazing. Like, okay, that was a very dramatic turnaround. Uh, but even them, uh, one of them was like, oh, now Jorginho's coming up. There's literally no chance he can miss here. He's, he's just too good at penalties. The, the match is over. Italy will be celebrating in 30 seconds. It's it's all over, all done, everything is over. Oh, and Pickford has saved it. I was like, oh, it's it's kind of nuts. Um, I'll uh, I'm gonna back you up a little bit here. I think I might be just a little too loud. Um, it's a little nuts how um, it's it's just a little nuts how uh, how well Pickford did, considering how bad he was for Everton this year. Um, and I think like that was kind of another one of the like the low key storylines of the tournament. Like a lot of people who didn't have great club seasons came through very big for England. Harry Maguire had a very good tournament, converted his penalty in the final um, and was very, very good on defense. Uh, I thought John Stones actually had a very good tournament overall. Um, and and I think a lot of this team came together. And I don't know, is is very disappointing. I agree with you. I think Sterling um 
who could have been man of the tournament if he if he makes the if he gets like the winning penalty. Um, I, I agree. I don't know. I, I'm not. It, it's so hard in the moment to. And, and real quick, just to, just to be real, I mean, I'm not trying to shit different writing Sterling. No, 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 no. Yes, of course. Sterling said, but why didn't Grealish, you know, Grealish just come out saying, you know, I was willing to take a penalty. You should have stepped up and taken it away from me. Absolutely. And I, I, and that's, that's kind of what I'm trying to say is, like, I think in the moment – that's so hard to do as a player to go to go against what your manager has said, um, especially when we don't know. Because I, I remember I know South gets talked about like, you know, this is what we worked on in training. This is the order, blah, blah, blah. And so it, it, it can seem very difficult in that moment with actual fans back in the stadium um, in such a big moment to to make that call and, and step up. Um, but I agree that at the end of the day, it, it, it should have been one of them. And again, yeah, we're not picking on Sterling specifically, but somebody should have stood up and said, no, we, we Saka can't be the one to do this now with, with the tournament on the line. One of us has to do it. And, and unfortunately it just, it just did not work out well for them. Um, not sure why I'm still breaking up for you. I'll try to try to be a little clearer here for you. Um, but yeah, it's, it's very disappointing that England has gone out like this. Now they'll have to turn their attention to the world cup. Um, and, and see if they can do a little bit better next winter. Of course, winter 2022, it's just around the corner. Um, and Wes, we would be at least a little remiss if we didn't talk about Italy, um, coming back from not qualifying for world cup 2018, and making this run, uh, Roberto Manzini putting pushing every button correctly, um, in in a in a stark difference from Gareth Southgate. Uh, when he saw Ciro Immobile was garbage, he didn't wait that long to get him off the pitch, um, and that that really helped Italy, I think. Um, but yeah, overall, the job Mancini and the rest of this squad did for Italy to bounce back again from that that World Cup failure, uh, I think, speaks volumes. And this is now a team that is going to have to go through a little bit of a transition, maybe. Again, Chiellini, Benucci, some of these guys are still a little bit older. We'll have to see where they are in a year and a half. But Italy does now at least have some momentum going into the World Cup after a really strong tournament. Um. So with that, um, we, of course, also want to talk about, um, you know, the unfortunate incidents that came after the match. Um, and even during the match, uh, there was um, the some of the lower level seating got invaded by people who who made their way into the stadium with without really having a ticket um, and into the plan into the. Pl- yeah, into a lot of the players where where players uh, families were sitting. Um, Sky, I believe it was Sky Sports. Yes, yeah, Sky Sports actually had to abandon their uh, street side desk that they had set up outside of Wembley um, because of the quote unquote hooliganism that was going on outside. Um, there was plenty of of terrible behavior. 
from from people around the stadium. Um, there was, of course, as we mentioned, with Rashford and Sancho and Saka, there was a ton of racist abuse hurled at them online. Uh, there was racist graffiti put on a, a mural of of Rashford. Um, I know I read at least one person has actually already been arrested in conjunction with those uh, those issues. Um, and, and, you know, not not to, st- you know, there's a lot of big issues with this, West, But, of course, one of the looming specters of this is that England has a World Cup 2030 bid. And when this is the impression you leave when you're hosting a major final, it makes people wonder if you should be getting that sort of World Cup. So just to add into the horrible human element of it, there's also this actual soccer element of it as well. Right. I mean, this surely isn't going to help their cause to try to, quote, bring it home again. Um, yeah, you know, England fans, if you want that home World Cup, you better, you better really start looking at yourselves because that's probably what's killing you right now. Yeah, it was... Um... It was very disappointing to see this and um, it just the the terrible behavior, both online and offline of of mostly England fans um, outside outside the park and, and, and throughout England. So that was that was a bit of a black guy, unfortunately, um, off the pitch. But again, it had been a, a very fun Euro 2020 21. Um, so we'll see what the continued repercussions are there, but uh, also I wanted I do want to say quick praise though um, for Harry Kane and the rest of the English team um, for rallying around Rashford and Sancho and Saka. Um, there's been a lot of also we talked about how many people acted like idiots. There was also a lot of people doing good. Um, there was you know there was I talked about the racist graffiti that had gone up. Um, there was efforts and by the community there to cover that up with positive messages. So we, we have kind of seen the best and worst of England in this, in this time, unfortunately. Um, with that, we will, we will quickly move on. Uh, Copa America, Argentina won Brazil nil. Uh, Brazil once again fails in to, to win a title on their home soil. But the big news is Wes, Argentina, and Lionel Messi have finally won themselves a major tournament. And the crazy part is, and let me be the 800th person to say it, Messi may have played the one of the worst games he's ever played, but this time his teammates actually backed him up. And and that was really good to see because, you know, personally, you know, you want to see Messi come through to get that big trophy. You want to see him being the one to do it. But on the other hand, it was kind of nice to be like, well, he's basically been carrying Argentina for, you know, 12, 15, 20 years. The rest of the team finally got his back for once. So that was that was good to see. And now we now we can stop arguing about Lionel Messi having never won anything internationally. And that's that's a good feeling. Uh, very much so. You know, I mean, I'm certainly not the biggest Messi fan ever, you know, uh, you know Liverpool fan. <laughs> Certainly, Messi is my favorite, but uh, I mean, to see him do it, if for nothing else, because it ends that whole narrative of having to listen to the argument. Yeah. 
and also, you know, Ronaldo, um, probably even less of a fan of Messi. <laughs> uh, now he doesn't have just that one up on Messi, so. <laughs> Absolutely, and it, it just it just further keeps those those level pegs right there. Um, but well done to Argentina; uh, they win they win Copa America. Um, Lionel Matt Messi did have four goals in the tournament to uh, joint lead the way, so he did he did pull his weight throughout the tournament. Uh, but the rest of the team uh, joined in there at, at the end. So, congratulations. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the much uh, Maria. Yeah. yeah, and uh, and and Messi actually having a chance to seal it late with a, with a second goal and just completely botching it. Like, yeah. like that was one of those moments you're like, oh, this is this is the latest moment that comes back to haunt him in an international tournament, and it's like, no, actually, this time it worked out okay. So, well, well done. Um, yes, because I, I, it was getting just so tiresome, just like. Um, with Clayton Kershaw, you know, we, we kept hearing about, oh, he's the best pitcher ever. Oh, but he's bad in the postseason and he doesn't win anything. Well, then the Dodgers finally won something and we were able to just stop talking about it. Even if we didn't want the Dodgers necessarily to win, we can stop talking about this with Clayton Kershaw. And it feels good to move on to something better. Um, um, yes. Yes, he did. As as um, yep, we'll be getting to that just a few minutes. Um CONCACAF Gold Cup though, real quick. Um the biggest news out of there, one again, this is a United States team that is very MLS heavy. If you were tuning in to see guys like Josh Sargent or Pulisic, um, yeah, it's it's not happening. So we'll see if the U.S. still wins or whatever. Who cares? Um, but again, the big news, I think, coming out of it was on uh, a couple days ago when Mexico played Trinidad and Tobago and had a late goal ruled out. They would have given them a 1-0 victory. And... Um, and the, the far ruled it out. Um, and of course, the uh, the the Mexico based fans in attendance down there in uh, Jerry's world in Texas um, responded as as they typically do um, to just about anything in a soccer match. So uh, once again, well done, Mexico fans. You've covered yourself in glory trying to apparently one up. Uh, English hooliganism. So well done, well done by all there. Uh, yeah, that's for the players. Um, anyway, we'll get <laughs> we'll get the news and notes now. Um, one quick story. Uh, we do remember uh, Tottenham's Amazon All or Nothing documentary that came out. Um, about it's been about two years now, almost. Um, maybe you know, maybe it was a year. I, pandemic has made this whole thing really weird. I guess it was about a year. Um, but this time, uh, much as uh, as Arsenal has been doing lately, they're coming second to Tottenham, and they'll be doing it again here in All or Nothing. Um, so they will be the next team to be featured on the Amazon documentary series. Um, I'm sure this means Arteta is getting fired midway through the season, so he can have more juicy drama. 
and I'm I'm all about it. So well, apparently, you know, they lost their uh, first uh, match, their first little exhibition match, and Hunter Allen has already started drinking. I'm sorry, what? Uh-huh. What? That's amazing. Oh, my God. Oh, man. You know, I was about to say, oh, this is this is definitely a who's who of who's not going to be playing for Arsenal this year when you have guys like Kolasinic and El Nani. And then going through the 11, and then all of a sudden they see Obama Yang. I'm like, hmm. That's not great. So anyway, well, uh, ooh, spicy. I like that. I like that. Kind of love it. Um, something else we surely love. Um, we, Wednesday today, NBC announced, according to awfulannouncing.com, their coverage plans for the start of the 2021-22 Premier League season. The network's final one under their current contract. Um, in the release. They've noted that uh, some matches that are on the broadcast network, being NBC, will also uh, be on Peacock, which is great. However, there will also still be Peacock-specific matches, and uh, in, which I believe includes um, Liverpool-Chelsea in Week 3. Oh, no, I'm sorry. That is an NBC match. That is an NBC match. My apologies. Um, I want to say there is a Liverpool match um, that is going to be exclusively on Peacock in the first three weeks, though. So, I, 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 I once again, Wes, this is this is we just got spoiled by NBC doing really, really great Premier League work when they came in, and then just absolutely destroying it with Peacock. That's uh, that's what they do from time to time. Yep. Um, yeah, far from ideal, but it is the situation that we currently find ourselves in. And uh, oh, man, I don't know. And we're gonna make it. We'll get through this. We will. We will. I, I don't know how, but we will one way or another. Um, well, we have uh, officially, you know, started. The transfer market. We've we've had a few, we've had a few moves, and before we get to uh, to Wes's big stuff um, and, and the big messy news, uh, we did want to go over a few uh, somewhat big deals. Uh, Rui Patricio is uh, leaving Wolves to go to Roma. Um, the goalkeeper is making a move there. Um, yeah, he's he said Nuno is gone. I will go to former Spurs man. So it's that's really good. Um, also making their way to Italy, looks like it's going to be Olivier Giroud as well, uh, who will be heading over to uh, AC Milan from Chelsea um, with a one million euro guaranteed fee and one million as an add-on, and that deal will be going through this season. Um, so I think that's actually a very interesting thing. I know um, 
Chelsea has a lot of attacking options that don't always actually do very well in attack. But it, it felt like, you know, even though Giroud is older and I just plain don't like the guy, uh, it did feel like he still had a very useful role to play for Chelsea. And so it was a little surprising to me to to see him go ahead and and move on from there. Um, there have been a couple other minor moves uh, so far. Um, but Wes, of course, I, I know that you're you're very cautiously optimistic about some big ones. Oh, so much optimism. Um, you know, in Bombay 2022, <laughs> we're kind of putting that on hold. Uh, because, hey, that's for next summer. Uh, it does look like um, just listen to my uh, Mbappe is going to stick around for another year, run his contract down, and be free, be maybe the biggest free agent ever. It would be extremely fun seeing Mbappe free agency. Um, just leave some other ones out. Apparently, Chelsea is very high on uh, Holland. Mm-hmm. Um, God, I don't really want to say that, but that is something that could happen. Not to say it will, but that's one that could happen. Uh, looking around, uh, there are there are some dominoes that, if they would fall, could really do some things. Um, Paul Pogba could somehow end up in Real Madrid. There's just this this window is very. It's a shaky foundation because of the COVID mm-hmm. year that we just had, and nobody really knows. You know, hey, we know three teams that have budget. Yes, <laughs> City, that's Chelsea, and that's uh, PSG because you know, well, you know, with this, but Barcelona, we've talked about their struggles. They don't have any money. Um, you know, we, uh, Real Madrid are not in a good place money wise. Um, Manchester United apparently have money. Uh, Rafael Varane still on their radar. Of course, Sancho has been. He's uh, mm-hmm. he's officially a United player. Uh, the Harry Kane saga looks like it might not be much drama. I think Harry Kane stands first, mm-hmm. and Jack Grealish maybe making the move over to City. It's such so a big there's still a lot of dominoes left to fall. But now with Euros over, I think we could really see some things start to happen. Absolutely, um, I do. I did find it kind of funny, you know, seeing uh, you know being reported that City would now be willing to go over a hundred million for Kane. Like, hey, keep going, keep keep going up, boys, because just crossing a hundred million isn't going to quite cut it. I think. Um, keep going. Uh, 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 few more ones. Uh, Nuno Tavares is uh, joining Arsenal from Benfica, so he'll get to experience the all-or-nothing drama. Um, so that's that's really good to see. Um, and I think I had one more. Uh, Matt Clark is uh, leaving Brighton out of the Premier League and joining West Brom. Um, and then, of course, there's tons of rumors. Uh, as you mentioned, uh, we're seeing, thanks to TransferMarked.com, uh, things like Joe Willock potentially going into Newcastle. There's been talk of Danny Ings potentially coming to Spurs. I don't know how much I really buy that, but that that is being talked about. And uh, even another scary one, 
potentially Rafael Varane joining Manchester United as well as as Jadon Sancho. So ah, this is this this could be a time where the the big six or or parts of the big six at least really really sh- strengthen up and and spend some money now that they're the only people who can apparently. Um, so we are going to talk a little bit about West mentioned it earlier. Uh, this coming from ABC News actually. Uh, this is a report on Messi's contract, and it could be worth up to 555 million euros over four seasons. That is the equivalent of almost 700 million dollars. Um, that is that. It, wait, wait, is this right? Wait, this is his most recent contract. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Here we go. Uh, yeah, Messi has agreed. This is coming from the Guardian. I apologize, everyone. Uh, this is a uh, Messi has agreed a five-year deal on reduced wages rather than a two-year extension initially discussed. Um, happy with the arrangement, but negotiations of the respective price tags must be concluded. With Barcelona saying Antoine Griezmann's value is greater than Sal's, uh, Sal Niwiz, uh, and wanting money as part of the deal. Um, Liverpool and Chelsea are keen on the 26-year-old Saul if he does not end up at Barcelona. Uh, so we will see um, how that works out. And of course, you know, five, five years uh, would put Messi at about 39 when his contract is running out. Um, I don't expect him to actually then play all five years at Barcelona. Um, I, I would... Yeah, that's that's what I would be wondering too. If he'll uh, if he'll join David Beckham's Inter Miami, yeah, um, or one of those clubs, and, uh, and and ply his trade in America for a few years to to retire in style, as they say. Um, but yeah, so it does look like the the limited amount of drama that there was of Messi not uh, of Messi becoming a so called free agent. When his contract ran out with Barcelona, it does look like it is going to be um, quickly squashed and he will be staying there at least for another year or two. Um, so that is going to do it for news and notes, Wes. Um, this is the part now where we pimp the athletic. Uh, any stories you want to pimp this week? Oh, I think I had this one too, but I had a couple more, so it's fine. In and out of North Carolina kids, which means we grew up in Portland of college basketball. That's true. See, we grew up during probably the golden age of college basketball. Yeah. The ACC. Um, yeah, maybe. Kids and young teens, and they've kept doing it through all the years. But that said, college basketball has pretty much become dog shit. <laughs> and the big reason is, you know, well, there's a lot of reasons, but, uh, you know, one of them is uh, that guys are basically one-year mercenaries now. Like, the best players are basically one-year mercenaries. You can't build any continuity. Um, and a big part of that is the summer circuit sink. Um, with the, the the tournaments and just oh man, just craziness. Well, you know what? If I could tell you about how it used to be during the summer <laughs> seasons, yes, 
Uh, you've probably heard of it. I remember hearing about it uh, in my younger days. The five-star camp. Mm-hmm. Um, well, there is a story written by Dave Allen Neal posted on July 12th about the, uh, the beginnings and the years of the five-star camp. It's called Ewing and Mullen as Waiters, 16 players to a cabin, and who the fuck is Mike Dewart? Five stars, golden summer. The summer of 1980 is the one they came out right? Where you had uh, Patrick Ewing, you had uh, Ed Pinkney, you had Chris Mullen, and you had some kid out of Wilmington who no one had ever heard of, other than Roy Williams, apparently. Hey, <laughs> uh, Michael Jordan. Uh, it, it recounts a lot, and it goes into the um, how this camp was. Uh, it is as far away from the current scene as oh yeah, and it was obviously glorious. <laughs> <laughs> um, college coaches could actually come in and be camp counselors. You're only going to but it talks about, you know, uh, a young Rick Pitino as a counselor, a young Dave Odom, uh, back when he was still a high school coach in Durham, North Carolina, uh, being a counselor, a young Mike Krzyzewski. Just, just really, really super good stuff. If, if you are nostalgic for your old college basketball, that one was ruined. Um, it is definitely, it's a great read, and I definitely... Uh, mm-hmm. Recommend it for you. Oh, you'll you'll enjoy that. Um, we got in here. What we got in here? That was definitely my big one. Um, <clears throat> we don't talk about the NFL because the NFL's shit too, kind of like college basketball. Now. <laughs> but, uh, the Athletic has started uh, a countdown. You remember they did their top hundred baseball players of all time. Mm-hmm. Nasty did it. They are doing the NFL one hundred. And it starts off, I'll just start at number 100, is Garrett Brooks, a linebacker from Tampa. I was a massive Garrett Brooks fan uh, when I was growing up. I was a big Bucks fan when I was a young kid. Uh, Warren Sapp was a guy when I was playing football that I desperately tried to model my game after. Big difference, Warren Sapp was extremely athletic. But yeah, I don't see a list of all the link players, kind of like uh, like Posnanski had with his. But yeah, Darren Brooks is on there. I know Fran Turkington uh, from the Vikings, who was a former Georgia quarterback. I know he's in there in the 90s. Uh, so yeah, uh, good stuff there. And in, in college football, that was a sport I do desperately love. Uh, college football, if you are interested in learning about NIL, Lightness with kickoff on July 1st. There is a ton of um, one highlighted how Tennessee's Grant Burking is both paying college football teammates and helping them get paid. Mm-hmm. So, this kid, Grant Burking, who is a, uh, I believe he's a scholarship player at Tennessee, this kind of owns apparently like his own uh, yard care business. Huh. Okay. In high school is just like a fantastic like young businessman. Uh, so he's basically like paying his teammates to um you know, he he's paid on NIL money for uh, like giving out tweets and doing advertising, which is is pretty cool, you know, that he's able to do that. But um uh, it's one story that stuck out to me. There's a lot on there about NIL. 
That is awesome. Yeah, NIL is going to be such a big thing going forward. And uh, yeah, leave it to the athletic to uh, to really to really shine a spotlight on that. Um, I actually had that uh, college basketball story too. Uh, it's the headline caught me. Dana O'Neill is a great writer, and oh god, it's so great. It is. It is such a great showing of of how much has changed um, between then and now. It is it is kind of nuts, um, but yeah, it is it is fan fantastic. Another another great story from Dana O'Neill. Um, I have two others though. Um, this one was like a collab between a lot of the Athletics UK staff, um, which you know is pretty good to read before the Euro final. Um, not maybe so much after. Uh, but from Kane's pub to the cinema in a boat at sea, the alternative story of the night England reached Euro 2020 final. Um, the Athletics sent like eight different people out in, in Denmark, pro-Denmark places, pro-English places, and uh, and saw how they reacted to the England versus Denmark match. Uh, that's a lot of fun to see both sides of that coin. And lastly, speaking of, of both sides of a coin, um, Stephen Nesbitt, comes out with an article, what's it like on the other end of a Shoei Otani homer? Let's ask pitchers, quote, it's kind of mind-blowing. And I did want to pull one graph here, and I want to, let me see if I, uh, if I can get it really quickly here. Um, so I think, uh, here it is. Uh, pitchers take the Otani question, how is he doing this rather literally? They ask, does Otani attend pitchers' meetings, hitters' meetings, or both? Does he stretch with hitters or pitchers? How, do you see, how does he distill two sets of scouting reports at once? They see Otani's greatness in his approach. In the batter's box, he thinks like a hitter and a pitcher. He sees a pitcher's strengths and how they'll attack him. On the mound, he operates the same way. All of it is a testament, Tomlin said, to Otani's intelligence, motivation, and work ethic. Um, this... I I will admit I was slightly skeptical of Otani when he came over. Um, I didn't know, and then he got hurt a little bit early on with the Angels. Yeah, and and I was starting to think, okay, this you know maybe he's just getting to being a really good hitter, um, and and the he won't be like a two way guy. But oh man, he he is something. He is absolutely something. Some of these balls he hits for home runs are just. Insane. There is one included on here. I think it's uh, this one. No, it's not that one. It's uh, one of these when he was playing against Cleveland, Sam Hentages. Um, that's like literally shoulder level high fastball that he pulls out on like a line drive. It's it's absurd what this guy can do. And and he's super humble. Um, you know, getting to watch him at the home run derby, even though we didn't get out of the first round, like you can just tell how infectious this guy's energy was. And I think more to that, you can tell now how infectious a lot of these young players energy is guys like Vlad Guerrero Jr. And Fernando Tatis Jr. Um, and by the way, that Vlad Guerrero home run in the all-star game was legit nuts. Um, I tell you what, when you read this article against great article and you watch things like the home run derby and the all-star game, you really start to think, man, please don't fuck this up, baseball. Please don't fuck this up. Because this this has all the makings of something that can bring 
baseball back to the American forefront. Maybe not to like the level the NFL is, because that's some omnipresent monster beast thing. But like it can come back and be a, a strong force. And things like this, like Otani, like Guerrero, these guys are going to bring it back. And it's very exciting to watch. But this is a great uh, thing from, uh, you know, talking to pitchers who have given up home runs to Otani. It's it is crazy. So um, go check that out. Um, all right. With that, Wes, we'll wrap it up here with the watch for what you're watching in the week that was or the week that will be. Sure. <gasps> Okay. I've heard of that. So the girlfriend recommended it, pushed it, said she's watched. So there's three seasons on Prime. I believe season four is coming out sometime soon. Okay. Um, she said we need to watch it, so we started it. I watched the first episode. It is, uh, it looks like it's gonna be very good. Early on, Billy Bob is playing Billy Bob. Okay, fair enough. It's just always fun. Um, it looks like there, there's a lot, there's gonna be a lot of layers to this, I believe. It, it looked, it, it started over really well. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm very intrigued, very intrigued with it, but apparently, it is a very good show. So. It is a, it is just looking it up here on IMDb. It is a David E. Kelly joint. So, you know, that's going to be, that's going to be pretty fun. Um, yeah, the, uh, the cast is pretty strong looking. Pretty, pretty, ooh, William Hurt's in this. That's nice. Um, yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. There's some heavy hitters in this show. Okay. Oh, that's, that's pretty good. That is pretty, pretty good. Um, so for me, uh, I was supposed to watch Black Widow yesterday, yeah, yesterday, um, and I hurt my back Saturday night, so we had to cancel. Um, but we are going to be watching it myself and one name producer Jackie are going tomorrow, Thursday, to watch it. So we will have seen it by next week. Um, and so I'll be able to give my thoughts on that. We're going at uh, 3.15 in the afternoon. And when I purchased the tickets today, there was one other person in this theater. So uh, I'm very excited for this to hold up. Um, So that's going to be very exciting. Uh, We have not yet watched the final episode of Loki yet, um, but I have heard that it is pretty nuts. Um, So I am I'm very excited to watch that. That will that might also be tomorrow. We might be doing a Marvel doubleheader tomorrow, which would be pretty cool. Um, so yeah, very excited to see that. And, uh, yeah, just, uh, just going to continue on watching those. And, uh, they also dropped a trailer, I think since we last potted, um, for the next Marvel show on Disney plus, uh, what if, uh, which is going to be an animated show, um, showing off, you know, if different little differences had happened in the Marvel universe, what would have happened? Like, if uh, if Peggy Carter had gotten the um, the super soldier serum instead of Steve Rogers, what would have happened? Um, and one thing I think is really cool about it is it looks like they've got 90 to 95 percent of the original voices um, are coming back to do to reprise their parts. Um, so on a bit of a sad note, this will probably be the last time we get to hear Chadwick Boseman as Black Panther. Yeah, but hey, at least we have something. So that is pretty 
Absolutely. And and the good thing is, you know, um, I mean, I think I think it's literally just uh, Robert Downey Jr. and Chris Evans are the only people who didn't the biggest people who didn't come back. Like I'm Chris Hemsworth, I believe, is in this. Um, I think Mark Ruffalo is in this. Um, so there's there's going to be a lot of good stuff. I'm very excited for it because to me, every Marvel show that has come out on Disney Plus has gotten better than the one before it. So I have big hopes for what if and uh yeah this this could be a very big second half of the year for marvel and that's very exciting so uh we'll be talking about that or at least i'll be talking a little bit about that next week um but that is going to do it for this edition of the pod episode 374 is done um yeah once again thanks ngsc sports and ngscsports.com we never stop uh, you can find them on the social media as well as us on Twitter as a collective. We are at AFA Pod. And Wes, you are. And I am at Edward Green. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube via our parent show, The All New Sports Show. And you can email us at allnewsportshow at gmail.com. Thanks to our podcast providers, including podbean.com, Stitcher, Spreaker, TuneIn Radio app, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. You'll notice there's still one I'm not saying because, damn it, I don't want to hear about your podcast dedicated to the comic Kathy. I'm sorry. I just don't give a shit. Stop it. Stop it. So uh, with that, uh, we will catch you all next week. Uh, we'll be talking about, you know, big transfers that happen, any news, if anybody, you know, murders a Mexican fan, murders somebody in the Gold Cup, we'll talk about that. And uh, yeah, there's 50-50 odds of that happening, I guess. And uh, hell, maybe we'll even start doing our, our end of Premier League reviews now that we have, you know, a couple weeks before the next Premier League season kicks off. But before we get out of here for this episode, Wes, uh, is there anything else you'd like to add? Baseball draft. Yeah. Uh, Till uh, this past week. Um, Big production this year. Yeah. Um, the Red Sox are guys at number four in the highest draft pick we've had since got the sixties. Um, I was really hoping for Jack Leiter. Yeah. Uh, if not him, I was really hoping for Henry Davis. Um, so uh, neither one of them of course they went one two and in the Red Sox getting Marcelo higher yeah was, a lot of people saw as the number one guy in the draft uh, Red Sox ended up getting him good job yeah, hey you know, what else what else can you do you know maybe if those two guys that you really wanted weren't there hey might as well just get the best available player's draft oh absolutely uh, so, uh, pair of East Carolina Pirates went rounds one and two. Gavin Williams went to uh, Cleveland in the first round, and uh, Connor Norby going to uh, uh, Baltimore in the second round. Sorry, Connor. Mm. Sorry, but uh, hey, maybe you'll get traded, bro. Maybe <laughs> Henry Davis can both get traded. <laughs> Eventually, it'll all work out. Absolutely. Yeah, and uh, a couple of Nash County kids getting drafted. Uh, Landon Root, UNC Wilmington, and uh, Reed Johnston out of NC State. Excellent. I also saw uh, uh, University of Virginia uh, threw out six draftees, none in the first round, but they did have two second-round picks. 
uh, and then had four more guys. So big, big bounce back year for Virginia baseball uh, this year. So that was that was really good to see overall uh, with their big run of the College World Series and some guys like Andrew Abbott really making a name for themselves there. Um, so yeah, we'll uh, baseball really stemming it up again, like another really big production and making the draft feel like something special by having it at the all-star game instead of in like their MLB network studios, wherever those are. So very, very cool to see that. Um, that is going to do it for episode now, 374 of the foreign affair podcast for my calling crime, West Bradshaw. I am Edward green. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Hope you'll catch us again next week until then stay safe and enjoy the football. Good night, England. Don't break anything in between here. Yeah, would be nice. It would be nice if they didn't do that. Sad. You're listening to NGSE Sports Radio. Hear us live on NGSEsports.com where you can get awesome analysis for all things sport. Or check out our podcasts on iHeartRadio, Spreaker, iTunes, TuneIn, and much more. For our latest videos, head to NGSE Sports YouTube channel. Follow us on Twitter at NGSE Sports and like us on Facebook. NGSE Sports. We never stop.